Let's look at it together. Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew and chapter number 14, our series is entitled, Jesus is King. And all of these passages, as Matthew is pointing them out, they've been preserved for us. Then they give indication that clearly he is. And so I'm grateful for our study. I've enjoyed, enjoyed that immensely. Well, I sure enjoyed the choir a moment ago too, didn't you? My hope is Jesus. That was so good. Uh, appreciate all the good music, the Redeemed Trio we heard a moment ago. Got to listen to last Sunday nights, at least part of this uh, service with the young people participating, the graduates, and, and uh, just a great song there and all those that were graduating and how God blessed them. It's, it's good. I'm thankful uh, for all these things. So, Okay, Matthew uh, 14 and verse number 13 is where we're going to pick up the reading. This is just after Jesus had heard about the passing of the murder, basically, of John the Baptist under uh, the leadership of King Herod. And so we covered that the last time that we were in Matthew's gospel. So we're just going to pick up the reading now in verse number 13 when it says, When Jesus heard of it, referring to John's death, when he heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion. Aren't you thankful we have a Savior who is moved with compassion towards us? He understands our frailties and our shortcomings and he's moved with compassion towards us. It says, and, and he healed their sick. Verse 15, and when, he, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away. <laughs> There's compassion right there, right? <laughs> Send them away. I thought, boy, what a great theme for, you know, a church calendar year, right? Send the multitude away. Oh no, we wouldn't ever do that, right? You don't, you don't pick a verse like that or a phrase like that for your church theme, but that's what the disciples were saying. Now they had a reason they were saying it, but uh, they nonetheless said, send the multitude away. Maybe what we're thinking come Friday of VBS, but nonetheless, <laughs> he says, uh, it says here that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. You feed them. <laughs> Can you just see them looking at one another and seeing the multitude that was there? <clears throat> Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he, he said, verse 18, bring them hither to me. Bring them hither to me. Bring me what you have. Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and his disciples to the multitude. 
Notice this. And they did all eat and, and were filled and were filled. You say he just used psychology on them. He just made them think they were filled. All right, well, look, they took home 12 to-go boxes of psychology. <laughs> no, it says this. It says they took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. In fact, John says that they ate as much as they would. The people did. They ate as, this was all you could eat buffet. As much as they would, they ate, and still there was leftovers. It says in verse number 21, and they that had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides, beside rather, women and children, 5,000 men. And then you think about their wife, and you think about all their kids, and you know, Abraham had many sons, and Many sons had Father Abraham, and right? I mean, there's a bunch of, I mean, they had large families, so I, who knows how many people were there? 7,000, 8,000, 10,000? A lot. A bunch. Here's the title of the message here this morning. There's no shortage of the love of God. There's no shortage. There's no shortage of the love of God. And then think about this. He's not too busy to show love to the individual. He's not too busy. There's something here that I hadn't really paid good attention to. Um, and I think it'll be a blessing to you. There's no shortage of the love of God. That, that right there will bless your heart. There's no shortage of the love of God, but he's not too busy to pay attention to the individual. I sure will thank God for that. So may he bless his word as you're seated. We'll consider this passage. We're not too old to think about the feeding of the 5,000. This is not just for kids. <clears throat> now we're not handing out goldfish today. <laughs> not too old to think about this passage. <clears throat> Our world is experiencing shortages. You know, we, here's the deal, I think, in many ways. We, we're living in, we live in such a country of plenty. I mean, really, we do. If all you got to do is just take a trip out of this country, you realize just how blessed we are. And I'm not minimizing any, any kind of, uh, you know, struggles we have. But I, I think a lot of our shortages is that we're just so used to having so much and having so many varieties of things. But there, you know, it is, there's shortages, shortages, shortages. <laughs> Hope I don't have to say that word a lot. <laughs> Baby formula, certain meats, beef, chicken. I mean, that, that is near crisis right there. I mean, that's, that is of concern for sure. Canned goods and canned drinks due to aluminum and the shortage of that and, and um, oats and eggs and produce. And I mean, there's, there's, manufacturing backlogs. There's, uh, there are obviously labor shortages. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a unique time for Americans. Inflation, mercy sakes alive how expensive things are. Um, I mean, just going out to eat and how, what used to cost this much is now more. Um, sorry, just ate at the airport a couple of times and <laughs> couldn't believe that. <laughs> <clears throat> ticket there, but, but we ate. <laughs> High gas prices. Um, I think when I gassed up the car, we, truck we were using there in Oregon, we paid uh, five sixty-five, something like that. Somewhere right in there for just regular. Yeah. 
man, stuff out at sea. I mean, there, there's all kinds of just shortages. I want to thank God this morning. There's no shortage on the love of God. He's not run out. There's a lot of people in this world, but he's not run out. There's no shortage. In fact, you know, you think about it, and it would take the rest of our time to, to mine out everything in God's word that talks about not just that he kind of helps us get by, but that he does exceedingly abundantly above all that we even ask or think. I mean, he just does above what we think. Doesn't he do that in your life as well? I mean, just things that, that he doesn't have to do those, those maybe little things, but even just the, the little things that mean so much. I mean, it just, he shows himself strong in so many different ways and he does, he goes way beyond what we deserve. I guarantee you that. He goes way beyond what we deserve. But you think about the fact that his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning, new every morning. I mean, I, I think it's merciful that on a 100, 100 degree day that at least it's down in the high 70s. That's merciful, <laughs> right? His, but really his mercies, I'm talking about his, his mercies are new every morning. And then the Bible tells us that he daily loadeth us with benefits. And then how that uh, he gives us an, a good measure, overflowing, overwhelming, and, and how that our God shall supply all of our need according to his riches in glory. I'm telling you, there's no shortage. Now our love might run out, our patience might run out, but his love and his mercy and his patience doesn't run out. We're here today because of it. The feeding of the 5,000 is uh, uh, the, one, the one miracle that is recorded in all four gospels. You have the feeding of the 5,000, which was uh, predominantly on the, on, it was on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, and it was predominantly among the Jews. Then you have later the feeding of the 4,000 that's recorded. And that's in the, on the, I'm, I'm sorry, I may have got that backwards. This is on the Western side. That's on the Eastern side. On the Eastern side, it was predominantly Gentile. So watch this. He came to the Jew first, but he also came to the Greek. He came to the Gentiles. And so his love extends to both. But really, when you think about it, you, I think you'd agree with the man named Michael Green who said this. He takes their resources pitifully inadequate. I mean, Pitifully inadequate. So little. In fact, in fact, as the disciples said, what are they among so many? There's five loaves and two fishes. But what are they? I mean, Andrew was the one, according to John's gospel, and I'm going to weave in some of the other gospels accounts here because it helps to give the whole picture. But Andrew, as he answers the Lord who asked, you know, what do you have? And he said, well, we got a little boy here that's got a, he's got his, his lunch basically. And Five loaves and two fishes. And, uh, but what are they, he said, what are they among so many pitifully inadequate? But here's what God does. He multiplies it over and over and over again. And they have more than what they started with at the end. Mm. That's because uh, Romans 10 says the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. He's rich unto all that call upon him. This is a unique section of, of the Gospel of Matthew as, as largely uh, his ministry and his message are being rejected. But I find uh, encouragement in this, that even when his work and his person are largely being rejected, he's still at work. You know, we're living in a, in a time when biblical Christianity is being rejected. I mean, the, the typical American really is living without God. Isn't that right? 
I mean, it's just a secular world in which we live, largely, even here in the, in the United States of America. I'm, I'm still thankful to be an American, but in many ways, people are, are doing this. They're growing up without God. Burdens my heart as I make my way, you know, through the airport and I see people, countless people as I was, as we were in uh, Seattle yesterday and, and just godlessness. I mean, just growing up without God and so many in America growing up without God or many others involved in pseudo Christianity and, and, and where the cross is not emphasized and certainly not taken up the cross. It's not deny yourself in those churches, but it's entertain yourself in those churches. So in a day and time when, when the biblical version of, of Christianity and the gospel are being rejected to live without or, or changed to satisfy people. I want to thank God this morning that God is still at work Amen. and he's not run out as there's no shortage on the love of God. It's interesting also as we get into the text that this is a contrast. You have Herod's feast and this, this, you know, no doubt just this magnificent spread that he put on for all of his lords and chiefs and captains in his palace. As the king of the Jews, he would refer to himself. But then you have Jesus out on the hillside, not in a palace, feeding not princes and chieftains and, and rulers, but he's feeding peasants and, and people, you know, that, that don't have a whole lot. What a contrast. And even though Herod portrayed himself as the people's king, Jesus was really the king. And he's their shepherd. And, and this is illustrating that the government will never be enough to answer the needs of all the people. Herod wasn't meeting the needs of all these people, but I tell you one who could, the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, folks, we need to be reminded of that along the way, that, that our, our source of hope and our hope, our source of trust ought not be in the governments of man, although I think, I'm thankful for the fact that God has established governments and so forth. That's, that's good. It's for our good. It's, it's for our protection. But we can't depend on the government for our sustenance. We need to depend on God. So what a contrast drawn here between, uh, between Herod and between Jesus and, and what's happening here is Jesus has learned of the passing of John the Baptist and he, I think he's wanting to get alone. In fact, there's other, the gospels are talking about it had been a busy time of ministry. In fact, it had been so busy that they had very little time even to eat and, and you know how Baptists preachers like to eat. And so they hadn't even had time to eat and they were busy. But also on top of that, they had, you know, this bad news that John the Baptist had been beheaded. And so the Bible tells us in verse 13 that he went by ship into a desert place. He went there into the wilderness apart or alone. Uh, Brother Sam is, is teaching a, the four week course on dealing with grief. I want to thank God this morning that God is acquainted with our grief and our sorrow that he himself experienced sorrow and, and that the Bible records that Jesus wept and he had compassion on people. And, and there are things though here that, that I think God wanted to teach them in the wilderness. By the way, there are things that God wants to teach you in the wilderness of life. There is a time to grieve. There is a time to be apart. But, but there's also this, the need to keep serving God. 
And so I see that Jesus is there and he's getting time apart with his disciples and they are recuperating, but they're also no doubt grieving the, the death of John. But then when the need came to minister to the people, then he was, he was there. In fact, I, I think here's, here's one of the insights I wanted to help us all to get on here. It wasn't just the need of the multitude to be fed by Jesus, but it was the need of the disciples to see that he is who he said he was. I believe this week kids need Bible school. I'm convinced of that. It, it'll be a good use of their day not to be at home playing video games and watching whatever is on TV. It'll be a lot better for them to be climbing around on these pews and hopefully we'll get them seated. But it'd be good for them to be here at these pews. I've had to pull a few of them out from under the pews, you know, but it's better for them to be here in these pews. They need to be in, they need to be in Bible school, but maybe we as adults need the experience of helping them. It's not just for the kids, it's for us to also to minister to them. I, I'm trying to say that as much as the multitudes needed to be fed and needed to know who Jesus was, the disciples needed to have faith. In fact, a big part of this section, and I intended even to keep reading just a little bit, because next you have the disciples as they're out on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus comes to them walking and they're terrified and but Peter gets out of the boat. I mean, you know the scenario. We'll preach on it, God willing, next Sunday morning. But it's really showing, this passage is showing the shortcomings of the disciples. I'm so glad God records not just their great faith, but also their shortcomings. You know why? Because I've got my own and you've got your own. And there's things that we can learn here from even their shortcomings. Hey, hey, listen to this. Young people, I think they need camp and conference, but I think also we as a church need to serve them and maybe learn the lessons that God wants us to learn from being a servant in helping the youth conference. Missionaries, I thought about this. Missionaries need us financially and prayerfully, but also we need to learn to trust God as we supply the need of missionaries, Okay. Uh, parents, kids need you, boy, do they, right? But also you need the experience of being a parent to learn to trust God. So here, here's what happens. As Jesus is making his way by boat across the Sea of Galilee, people hear that he's going to the other side. So they make their way on foot to the other side and they're waiting for him when he gets there. John indicates that this miracle caused him to think about it. Maybe they had hopes even coming into it that they should make him king. That was their intent. He had grown in popularity. But, but here's what I learned to see about Jesus. Jesus is not mesmerized by a crowd because he knows man. You know, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of people today are just in it for a crowd. The Lord is concerned about the Phillips and the Thomases and the Peters and the Andrews. Are you following me? And the James and all the 12 disciples. Yes, he sees the need of the multitude, but he's also interested in discipleship, not just building a crowd. I believe as a church, that's what we need to be concerned about. I, I'm thankful that we run buses. We're going to, God willing, pick up a lot of kids this week. And I think we ought to do our big effort to do that. And every Sunday, by the way, I think we ought to do our effort to try to get somebody in church. I'm glad that you're here today, by the way, if you're a guest, you came because somebody invited you. But, but listen, we're, we're not here just to get a big crowd. We're here because we need to be his disciples. 
and learning and growing. And so this group was waiting on him. And, and I notice this in verse number 14. Look at it again. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. He saw their need and he had compassion on them. He saw them, he was moved with compassion, and then he did something about it. Isn't that what we ought to do? We ought to see the need, we ought to be moved with compassion, and then do something about it. Amen. Do something about it. He saw their need, and then the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. This means a great affection for them. He took pity on them. Um, he, it, it really has to do with the depths of his being. I mean, it moved him, the, the, the sight of the people. Um, it was Mark that recorded that he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. The Bible says that he was moved with compassion and touched the leper in Mark chapter number one. It, it talks about how the good Samaritan, uh, my youngest son Trenton thought that it was the good American, but it was the good Samaritan that uh, saw the need of the man who had been beaten on his, on his way, you know, uh, and, and he, the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. He, listen to this, he came where he was. He came where he was. And folks, I want to remind us here today that, that we too ought to be moved with compassion and go where people are. Go where people are, be moved with compassion. I think about the words it says about the, prodigal's, uh, the prodigal son's father, uh, as it says that he saw him a great way off and was moved, the Bible says, with compassion and ran to where the son was. There's great demonstration here of compassion. How do you view people? How do you view people? People are interesting, aren't they? Don't forget you are one. <laughs> How do you view people? Do you see them as a disturbance, a bother? I'm glad Jesus sees us with compassion, aren't you? Yeah. Move with compassion. I watched a man this week. I finished preaching, went down, and people were at the altar, and I looked over, and I saw this man. I'd met him before in a, in a previous service, but he, he's probably in his, I guess he's in his 70s or 80s, perhaps, but he evidently has Parkinson's and... and um, on the way out the door Sunday morning, he said, uh, I'm, I'm tired of trying to get my own way. And, and that, I think it was that Sunday night or maybe Monday night, I watched him. He came forward and he, he couldn't kneel. So he stood down here about, about in the center part. People were at the altar, but he, he stood there shaking. Man, it, it, it moved me. The sight of that, by the way, Here's a man who could hardly move that made his way to the altar. Why should we not? As a side note, but I think it's a good note. But I was moved with compassion when I saw Chuck as he, he was there and he came, you know, to the services. Moved with compassion. How do you see people? Do you see people as an interruption? Do you see people as a burden? Do you see people as an annoyance? Do you see people as time consuming? Do you see somebody, somebody coming and go the other way? Because <laughs> when you ask them how they're doing, they might actually tell you. How do you see people? Uh, the disciples uh, came to Jesus in verse number 15. Look at it again, if you would, please. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him and saying, uh, this is a desert place and time is now past. Uh, the service is over. <laughs> now he's the preacher, but the disciples are saying, you know, it's about time that uh, uh, they go home. <laughs> yeah, I, evidently Jesus held a long service. And, um, and so they came to him and, and they, they didn't see that Jesus was bringing it to a close. And so they thought that they would help and they figured, you know, people are getting hungry. You know what I think? I think they were getting hungry. 
too. Now, no doubt that people were getting hungry, but I think they were getting hungry too. I want to say this about the work of God. It's both this, it's exciting and exhausting. One of the most exciting and exhausting days is Sunday. Isn't that, isn't that true? I mean, it's exciting. And I think it was exciting for them to see, see a blind man who's able to see again and, and see a deaf man who now could hear and to see a lame man get up and walk. I hope that never got old for them. I hope it doesn't get old for you to see somebody walk the aisle and be saved. I hope it doesn't get old for you to, to see some new family coming. I hope it doesn't get old for you seeing a, a whole bunch of uh, uh, bus kids coming in here, riding, I mean, those riding the bus. I hope it doesn't get old to you. I, you know, you're kind of dodging some of them, you know, as they're making the way down through there. I saw Jason Gaddis on his way in this morning. Literally, we got a little boy named Jason Gaddis that's going into the sixth grade, I think it is. And so I said hi to Jason Gaddis this morning. We, we, we kind of got a special friendship now, as you might imagine. So anyway, it's pretty awesome. And I'm so thankful that they're coming. It can be real exciting. It's exciting to see, you know, kids filling this auditorium and singing, praise ye the Lord, hallelujah, and all those things. And singing some of those songs we go. It's exciting, but isn't it exhausting? You go home, man, you're wore out and and tired. Hey, uh, work at singing in the choir, I imagine, is exciting and, and, and it's a wonderful thing. But then, you know, sometimes isn't it true that it gets tiring at, you know, uh, the ba International Baptist nap time when you're supposed to be taking a nap and you're here at choir practice. Get exhausting. Working the bus in 100 degree weather. It can be exhausting. Hey, listen, this is reality. Is it, is it ex it's exciting, but it's also exhausting. And they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, listen, uh, I think it's probably time that the people go home. I'm glad that everybody, I'm glad that everybody got healed. They got healed. I'm thankful for the teaching, but don't you think we maybe ought to let them go so they can get home and get something to eat? Or go to one of the villages that's close by and find some vittles. That's how you say that, by the way. Vittles, couldn't they find some vittles? We want to be concerned that they get something to eat. Listen to this. When we reach our max on ministry, the Lord sometimes is just beginning. He says, they need not depart. I like that. They need not depart. They don't need to find their source somewhere else. Can I say to you this morning that the drug addict doesn't need to go somewhere else? The person that is on alcohol and consumed by that, they don't need to go anywhere else but the Lord Jesus Christ and the churches that he's established. Uh, uh, the person with a broken home, they don't need to go somewhere else. Hey, I'm telling you this morning, he's sufficient. You don't need to go somewhere else. You don't need to try this after this, after this, after this. Hey, I tell you what, dude, just go to him. He's sufficient for you. And so they said, uh, Jesus said to them, they need not depart. They don't need to go anywhere else. You give them something to eat. In fact, the pronoun is emphasized here. You, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Wow. Lord, um, I don't know if you know how limited we are right here. Here's what we've got. Five little loaves and two. Evidently, everybody else had already eaten a little bit. A long day. Oh, did you bring a lunch today? It's going to be a long service. I forgot to mention that. And, uh, maybe they'd already eaten whatever they brought that morning. Now, when you think about these two little fishes, don't think about a big bass. This is not a big four-pound bass. No, these are two little like sardine things, like a piece of jerky. That's basically how it was, just a little, little strip of a fish. I mean, it wasn't anything big. And, and, and then these five loaves of bread. I mean, this isn't like Lambert's. This isn't big, big loaves of bread. This isn't, you know, big, this is small little barley. In fact, it was barley, I believe as John's gospel tells us, barley, which is the, the, the cheaper bread. This wasn't the, this wasn't the high, 
uh, version of the bread. I mean, there's different types of bread that we eat. I mean, this is, the, this is the lowest kind of bread, and that's all they had. I mean, just imagine here today, okay, we're going to stay through till the evening service, and, and we've had somebody go, you know, order about three or four items off the dollar menu, and we're just going to eat that here today amongst ourselves. How far do you think that'd go? Probably not past the second row. Right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I mean, just imagine what do you do? You ever, you ever have those times where you, you think you're going to run, run short and you got to really divide it out, you know, and kind of split it up. And, and, and the disciples were saying, Lord, if we had 200 penny worth, I mean, if we had eight months worth of food here, if we'd worked a job and had that much money and could buy, even that wouldn't suffice such a multitude as this. And all we've got is just five little loaves and, and two little fishes. And, and that's all that, that's all that we have. That's all that we have. By the way, whatever you have is inadequate until it gets in his hands. Whatever you have, even if they had a whole bunch of bread and a whole bunch of fish, it still would be inadequate until it got in his hands. But here's what Jesus said. Okay, that's all you have, right? Just a little boy's lunch, that'll do. That'll do. That'll be, that will be more than enough. And so bread here is quite significant because bread, you know, was like the terminology they'd use for like we use the word food. They would use, a, use the word even and term bread. Give us this day our daily what? Bread. Give us our daily bread. Give us our daily food. So the fact that Jesus was able to take this bread and multiply it was indicating something significant is going on. Out in the wilderness, Many years prior to this, Moses led them out into the wilderness to establish the first covenant. And God supplied bread from heaven in the form of manna. And so as he was entering into a relationship with his people in that first, we would call it the Old Testament, they were in the wilderness and they were eating bread that God supplied for them every single day. And there was no shortage on it. They had plenty to go around. It was little wafer-like things, little bread that was scattered all around. And Dave McCracken says he thought he thinks it's like Krispy Kreme donuts. That's what it was like. Krispy Kreme donuts spread all around. That's nowhere near biblical, but that's what he preaches. <laughs> I think it's probably like the, the biscuits that you get at Red Lobster. I don't know, something like that. I mean, it's just good. Anyways, that's totally not biblical either. But, but the point being is that there was bread. Listen, there was bread in the wilderness because God was doing something significant. Here it is, Jesus, God in the wilderness, doing something significant with his people to establish the Second Testament, the New Testament. And he's giving them bread, and eventually he's going to give them his body on the cross. He's going to die for them. I'm telling you, there's a lot in here that is built into this little children's story about the feeding of the 5,000. Oh, listen, friend, it's not just a children's story. It's a young person's story. It's an adult story. It's an elderly person's story showing this, that whatever you have, you bring it to him, and he'll make it enough for you because he's enough. He's enough. That's the main point is that he's enough. There's no shortage on the love of God. And he loves the 5,000. He loves the, all the women that were there and all the children that were there. But he also loves the 12. <laughs> I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, as his servants, we are distributors, not manufacturers. <laughs> we don't come up with this. We just distribute it. He also said this, when we give Christ what we have, we never lose. 
This morning, you give him what you've got. I'm going to get to application here in just a second. But whatever you got this morning, you just give it to him and you'll never lose. Give him your life and you never lose. Give him your money and you never lose. Give him your time. I'm making an application right here. Give him your time and you'll never lose your time. <laughs> he multiplies it. We always end up, as we said, we always end up with more blessing than we started. Lord, all we've got here is just five little loaves of bread, two little fish. What are they among so many? Bring them to me. He took them. He blessed them. He thanked God. He prayed. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there on this day? As he began to break the bread and he gave some to John and John went out. And by the way, he had, oh mercy, there's so much here. He had them seated out on the grass. It was like, the Lord was his sh their shepherd and they should not want. He maketh me to lie down in the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. That's what he's doing. He's got them out there on that, on that hillside and they're there in the grass. And he gives some to John and John goes to this company of 50 and James goes to the other. And then Peter gets involved in it and Philip gets involved in it and Andrew and they're going out there. And, they, and here's what they do. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it was. I know how it is when we distribute cookies and, and, and uh, Kool-Aid out there. I know it can be chaotic, but here they, <laughs> here they were giving them to eat and they came back and he had more ready for them. And they came out and he gave more and, and uh, table number seven wanted more. <laughs> and he just went around all the, all the people and every one of them had something to eat. Every one of them had plenty to eat. Every one of them got as much as they wanted to eat. How many baskets do you have left, gentlemen? I, I thank God that he doesn't waste food either. Right? They went home with 12 to-go boxes, 12 baskets. Why do you think there was 12? How many disciples were there? 12, every one of them carrying a basket. You know what, they, you know what was happening right there? They needed to know um, he's more than enough. And there's no shortage on his love. And, and again, please get this. He loves the 5,000. Plus, but he had time for the 12. He had time for the 5,000 too, didn't he? But doesn't it say something about the, the love of our God that he cares about you individually? And they walked out of there with those baskets reminded, yes, he cares about the multitude, but he cares about us. And I've doubted him. They doubted him. What are these among so many? They were fretting. They were tired. They were exhausted. They were done. But when you're done, he's just starting. <laughs> and there's no shortage on his love. I'm glad I, I can look at you individually here this morning. And I can say to you individually, he loves you individually. Would you think about that just a moment? You say, well, I know he loves, he loves Brother Ted more than he loves me. No, he doesn't. I'm not saying he loves you more than he loves him, but hey, he loves us all equally. And there's no shortage on his love. And they needed to know that.
I'll be honest with you, I needed to be reminded of that. There's no shortage. He met the needs of the multitude by multiplying what they had. It wasn't much, but it was ample. Not because of it or because of them, but because of him. Okay, maybe you've got limited time. What do you do? Give your time to him. I've seen him do this, how he multiplies it. It's amazing. I don't think a preacher should be lazy, but there have been weeks when I say prayers like this on the way here to the auditorium. I'll just be very transparent with you. Lord, you know what kind of week I had? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wasn't out there golfing, wasn't out there playing. And God knows what kind of week you have. And he can take what little study time you've had and multiply it. I've seen him do that. Lord, I sure don't know a lot. Anybody else? I sure don't know a lot. I'm sure glad he does. What can you trust with your provider? <laughs> Jehovah Jireh, right? The Lord provides. So Abraham trusted his son to his provider. What can you trust to your provider? You can trust him with your tithe. Trust him with your faith promise. Trust him with moving ahead. Trust him with a special offering somewhere. I'm telling you, you can trust your provider because he can take what little we have and multiply it. You may not have a whole lot of influence. Lord, I, I don't have a whole lot to offer here, but I'll be a worker. Or I'll be a helper in Sunday school. He can take that little effort and multiply it in a kid's life and change that kid's life forever. Isn't that awesome? You may be a step parent. You may say, ah, they won't hardly even listen to me. Take what you have to God and let him multiply it. And God can use you in that child's life, that young person's life. Maybe you only get to see your kids every other weekend. Hey, take what you have, use it for God and watch God multiply it. You know, we only get these young people that ride the buses only about four hours a week, but God can take what little we have and multiply it. One decision, surrendered to God, can have an impact for generations. One track, one track that a person gives out, one message preached, one door knock can make an eternal difference when you give it to Him. One child Give what you have to him. Give what you have to him. You say, I don't have very much to offer. Neither did they, but so did he. And he does in your life as well. If you're not saved today, here's what you need most. You need him as your savior. Your greatest effort to try to save yourself will always come up short. Kind of like trying to feed 5,000 people plus with only five, bread, five loaves of bread and two little fishes. Your good works are going to be insufficient. His one work on Calvary, His death, His burial, His resurrection is sufficient. And it alone is sufficient to save you. Let's stand together here this morning. <clears throat> There's no shortage.
on the love of God. He was moved with compassion then. He's moved with compassion today. There's no shortage on the love of God. He loves you. His love for you has not run out. You can just keep coming back to him. His love for others has not run out. We can just keep coming back to him. Should we keep running buses? Should we keep having Sunday school? Should we keep having church and inviting people to come? Oh, yes. He's not run out. We can just keep coming back to him and he has exactly what you need. Father, I want to thank you today that we can find in you our all-sufficient resource. We are limited. We are inadequate. In the flesh, we are weak. We're limited, God, in our resources in terms of what we have to offer, limited in our knowledge, limited in our time, limited financially in every way, but God, You've called us to do something that's beyond us. You've called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature that's well beyond us. But we know we can come to you and that you're adequate for these things. I thank you, dear God, that you care about the multitude. But also thank you that you care about the individual. And there's no shortage of your love. In Jesus' name.